Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. What a great time of the year it is. It is a time for kindness, peace, and love. It's actually my absolutely favorite time of the year. And my special, wonderful friend, Yoshiko, love you so much. Happy holidays to you. And if you've wondered, who is this woman I talk about every day on every call? Yoshiko Dart, her late husband, Justin Dart, was the general leader of the Americans with Disabilities Act getting signed. It was him and his wife, Yoshiko. They are legends. He has done so much for the community, for our history. He just did so much that I decided I want to make sure everyone remembers him. That's why I do that. So, and happy holidays to the 17 countries listening to the show. You know, I always say, and I want to tell you, as our year is coming to the end, how much it means to me that you have all followed the show around the world and to all of my listeners in the United States just thank you so much. I know there are some of you, you've subscribed to the podcast, and every time I see you, you tell me about the show. Thank you. It means so much to me. And thank you, Hi Mark, for once again, three years, being the lead sponsor of the show. And I am so excited today because I, I'm telling you now, I'm letting you know this ahead of time. This is one of my favorite people in the world, not just in Pittsburgh, <laughs> in the entire world. This is one of my favorite people. I love him so much. And what I have to do is I have to just wrestle him down to get him to be on this show because he loves so much doing all this media stuff. But because he loves me so much, he agreed to do this, and I want to tell you before I introduce him, he is a great leader, not just at our church, but across the whole region. And I also want to tell you, it is during his time as pastor that we move forward with sign language interpreting at the church. So for all of our deaf listeners, because of course we have open captioning, go to Northway because we care about people who are deaf like everyone else. So, Pastor Scott also loves boxing, but we're not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> Pastor Scott, here's my question. When you were growing up, did it ever in a million years occur to you you would be a pastor? Well, no. Like the real simple, quick answers, no. Like Joyce, I didn't even believe in God, you know, till late in high school, and uh, so the thought of being a pastor definitely did not. Just throughout college, in my early twenties, I volunteered uh, with some churches and with an organization called Young Life that was reaching out to really troubled, um, often urban kids, and it was in there that I just sort of sensed this little bit of a, a call from. To, to be a pastor, but no, never dreamed of it. Thought I was going to be a school teacher or something, maybe with in the city with kids, something along that line. But definitely not. 
not a pastor. And isn't it amazing, an amazing testimony of how one person can so change your life, meaning God, how he so changed can change a life. That's why I always say, boy, if you yeah. want to, if you want something, you want an example, you want to see a miracle, how about people that their life totally changes? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. yours did. You didn't even believe in God at one point. Um, and then here you are today, a pastor at Northway Christian Community Church. And as I always tell you, my pastor, Pastor Scott <laughs> Stevens is my pastor. And for those of you around the world, we'll talk about this later, but Northway does work globally doing mission work. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Here is my question. You know, and I always, I actually always ask this question to uh, people with disabilities that are advocates. I'll tell them, well, there are many people with disabilities. But not everyone says, I'm going to take up the mantle. I'm going to be a disability rights leader the way Yoshiko and Justin did, who I talked about earlier. But some people do. Well, there are many Christians in the world. But you made a decision that, you know, okay, I am going to be a pastor. What did that? Like, why did you decide to do Hmm. that? Yeah, I don't think that was like that one grand moment for me, you know, like didn't didn't hear this big significant marker moment in my life that said like pastoring is for me. That volunteering that I was doing became a part-time role working with kids um, at a church. I was a permanent substitute school teacher in the Pittsburgh City Schools um, also. And then it was just slowly, like, you know, build a youth group and uh, began to do some more family ministry, started to go to seminary, not not necessarily because I wanted a degree or because I wanted to be a pastor. I just wanted to learn uh, more uh, about God, about the Bible, so that I could have a little bit more confidence, maybe, that I that I knew what I was talking about. So finishing up that, um, you know, pastoring positions became open for me. And uh, yeah, after a long time of prayer, just said, I felt like this is what I want to do. And I do something, I sort of say, like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I really committed to the city. You know, I want to do my entire ministry life here in Pittsburgh, committed to the local church. Like there's a lot of great nonprofit organizations out there that I love, but like church to me, I just love the the local church. So committed to those two things and uh, haven't really looked back in 20 some years now, I guess, 28, 29 years. Well, thank goodness you made that decision. And you know what? Uh, I know another thing, I know something we have in common is that I just love Pittsburgh. I always tell people, I am a true blue Pittsburgher. And where did you grow up, Pastor Scott? Yeah, Munhall, Munhall, Pennsylvania, small little town right beside Homestead, sort of the, at once it was the steel capital of the world. Um, Yeah, and it sort of went on hard times in the 70s, so it's just your classic little blue collar Rivertown in Pittsburgh. They're all up and down the rivers, and uh, I grew up in one of them called Munhall. Yeah, it reminds me of that Pittsburgh town, but don't you just love this city, Pastor Scott? Uh, Don't you just love it? 
I do. I can't get enough of Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's like a hidden gem that people... I know there's some people that still see it as a smoky old mill town, and it's just, it's certainly not that anymore. It just completely transformed itself. Now it's a technology hub and a medical hub and, uh, you know, got the outdoors with the rivers and the walkways and the bike trails and incredible arts. And then obviously the things that we're, I think we're known for is our sports and, you know, our restaurants. And I, yeah, I just love this town. Yeah, I mean, you're right. When and when people come through the Fort Pitt Tunnel and they see oh, man, those yeah. three rivers and how beautiful the city is, people tell me all the time, "Wow, this city is so beautiful." I had no idea that you know it would look like that, and and it has so much. Just what you said. Culture, opera, symphony, musicals. Yep. You know, I'm proud to be on the board of the Civic Light Opera. Great mm. restaurants, history. Yeah. You know, we have uh, we have the Heinz History Center. We yep. have the Aviary, the National yep. Aviary, the Andy Warhol. All the Carnegie Museums. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. great. Andy Warhol's here. And we have that beautiful Mr. Rogers statue. And more. I mean, we have, we are the yep. city of Mr. Rogers. I mean, we have so we many are. great things here. And, of course, you mentioned sports. But let's not forget yeah. the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, Absolutely. Pastor Scott, like me, is also obsessed with. This is the year, Joyce. This is the year. This is the year with all of our new managers and general managers and new coaches. We just keep saying it, right? That's us every year. We we just keep saying it every year, year and one year it's going to come through. (laughs) This is the World Series year. This This is is the year that we win the World Series. Yep. And every year. Hopefully that will be in the not too long future that right. we're saying that. Right. As a, as a matter of fact, you were in Sports Illustrated. Yeah, how about that? I always thought I'd be. I wanted to be in Sports Illustrated, like when I became the middleweight champion boxing of the world, or you know, or some kind of terrific sporting event. But I was in the Sports Illustrated because I was a long-suffering Pirate fan, and the year that they made the playoffs, they. They interviewed six sort of long-suffering Pirate fans in Pittsburgh, and I got picked to be one of them. So, yeah, my picture's in it. Andrew McCutcheon's on the cover, and I'm inside of it. I'm in my office right now, and I'm looking at that Sports Illustrated article. I got it signed by Andrew. It's a little frame in my office. Oh, that was so – see, and I get to tell everyone that. And every time I'll tell them to say, wow, what sport does he play? And I'll say, (laughs) he plays the sport of following baseball and boxing. (laughs) And speaking of boxing, there's another example of a life change. Could you tell that story um, of what happened with those Mm -hmm. two young boys? Yeah, two boys at a gym that that I've been going to for a long, long time came in. They were... You could tell they were rough kids from sort of, you could tell, rough past, but it turns out they were from extremely abusive past, and they became really close with the boxing coach. There, a man named Jack Mook, who was a lifetime bachelor, um, city police officer, and these kids came in for years. They were, they were great little kids, and one day they just stopped coming. We, um, many of us went out and looked for them, couldn't find them. Um, Jack finally got word that they uh, were in an abusive foster care situation, so Jack got a warrant, got in, um, got them out, got temporary foster care 
um, for the both of them, took them into his home house, in his own home, and after about, I don't know, four or five, six months, he decided he was going to adopt them. And he went through the process, and he adopted these two young men. They were just little guys. One of them's now 20, and the other's 16. Um, but yeah, he adopted them in, into their home, and uh, it's, a, it's an amazing story. It, it drifted on to CNN, and um, you know, he was on Good Morning America back I don't know, I guess this is probably seven or eight years ago, nine years ago. But it's a, it's an incredible story. In fact, there's like Hollywood is actually like interested in turning it into a movie. So he's had a lot of people talk to him, some big names I won't mention, but people have come in and has a screenplay. And I'm, I'm really dreaming that someday, because it is just an amazing story of hope. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That would be so great. Oh. And, uh, and I mentioned boxing. The young man that was at our church that was baptized, mm-hmm. I felt that was a remarkable story yeah, also. Was, I mean, that that was great. Yep. yep, that was his oldest boy. So that was the oldest of the two that, that he adopted. And, um, yeah, I hope it gets made in a movie. I told Jack, I, I think I need, I want a part of it, though. Like, I think his pastor friend should be in the movie, right? Yeah, then you would be in entertainment today yeah. and Sports Illustrated. Right. I'd want, I'd want, I've been thinking about this. I want Denzel Washington to play me if, if I get, <laughs> if I get a, a role in the movie. That's because that's he's cool. That's who I want to play me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. I'll, and I'll be the okay. uh, PR agent. I'll be your PR agent yeah. behind Come the on. scenes. Help me out. Yeah. Well, well, although this show is being played on Christmas Eve, it obviously mm-hmm is not Christmas Eve, because if it was, we would not have been able to get Pastor Scott on the show. Yeah, I'd be busy. Because yeah. he'd, be, he'd be at our church for our great, great... I know one thing, though. Did you light that candle in your office? I did, every year. I know. Get it that going. candle. And then I right know. at the last service on Christmas Eve, I turn it off and go home. I know. Well, I think we, oh, we have fabulous services. I mean, fabulous. So could you tell our listeners, even though, it's, you know, it's Christmas Eve, so they'll know. All right. Of course, don't wait for Christmas yeah. Eve to come next year. I just want to give you yeah. an idea, you know, of what the church is like. So could you tell them about those services? Yeah. Yeah, our Christmas Eve services every year, we try to really keep them simple. Like, we don't do big pageantries, and um, try, we try to do something that that if you were to come back on a normal week, it would feel somewhat the same. So it's our, you know, really contemporary Christian style of music with a lot of Christmas carols that night. It's, it's really uh, family-friendly. Uh, there's always on Christmas Eve just a great message of hope. And then the best part is we close them all with, with Silent Night by Candlelight, and there's just something about, you know, a room full of people on that night that, that Jesus was born, just celebrating by singing that song, lighting a candle, lifting them up. I don't know. There's just, to me, it's, it's one of those moments that every year I just, I feel like, like this internal, um, sort of eternal ache, you know, that it's just this. God's fingerprint is on our hearts, and it's, and it's in those moments that we just sense to really understand and realize, while wow, there really is something much larger than us that loves us deeply. And 
that's my favorite night. You know, just that that night singing Christmas, uh, singing Silent Night. It's just it's just powerful every single year. I can't wait for it. And I will tell you, every year when, when that part comes, I always get yeah. tears in my eyes. It is so yep. powerful. Yeah. It is just so powerful, and it is yeah. all about. You know, what I was saying earlier about peace on earth. You know what I think about sometimes, Pastor Scott? I think about if someone went to um, Peter or Paul or Matthew or any of them and said, okay, you got to know this. In the future, like 2,000 years in the future, do you know (laughs) that people will be celebrating Jesus' birth all around the world, forever, all around around the world, everywhere? One man, one man, one man, his birthday, celebrating all around the world. I mean, you know, sometimes when I think about that, I think, that is amazing, how the heck did that happen? And of course, it's twelve yeah. men. How it happened, um, and Paul, you yeah. know, the apostles and all yeah. the other people that Jesus got involved. But still, that's remarkable, isn't it? When you think about it, it is. Yep, yeah, it really is. I've been in foreign countries sometimes on Christmas Eve um, doing mission work, and it is just—it's really incredible that, that you get that perspective that this is happening everywhere. Um, on that night, that the celebration that, that goes across the world, yeah, it's powerful. Yes, it is. And every time I think about that, I, I often think when people say, you know, how could this be true? You know, I say, how could this be true? You think someone just was out there, some nice guy, some prophet, and we said, what? We're going to celebrate his birth. Even 2,000 years, yeah. of, we're going to celebrate it forever throughout the world i mean to me that's just unbelievable but what is the saddest is countries where they want to celebrate but they can't and we we can we can talk about that a, a little bit more in the future but i'll tell you one of my favorite stories is how northway was started uh, yeah, I mean, to me, me it, it is an unbelievable story. So would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah, Pastor, Pastor Jay Passavant, a real pioneer, I think, in, in church world, certainly here in Pittsburgh. You know, he got together with himself and his wife and eight other couples in, in this one gentleman's basement. And they just began to meet together for Bible study, for prayer, and they were really praying for a new kind of church in Pittsburgh. And, you know, they, they, it was not something that, that Northway wasn't formed because they disliked traditional or mainline or denominational churches. It was just something that Jay was searching for at that time, for just something different, something a little bit more about Jesus and a little bit less about religion, uh, a little bit more about relationship with God versus, you know, religious duty. Um, so he, uh, he he formed Northway, and um, they launched out out of like a, uh, I think it was like a banquet hall at a restaurant, and uh, that was 38 years ago. And now Northway is, you know, six locations around Pittsburgh. Um, I think it's, it's the other piece of their story that's amazing, Joyce, is that like so 14 years ago, and I was here at that point, 
Northway had a, a choice to build a bigger building in Wexford. That was our only location and continue to call people to Wexford, say, hey, you know, all you from the South Hills and the different counties around Pittsburgh, come over to Wexford. Um, and we had plans. We were going to do a big, gigantic fundraiser, you know, millions of dollars to build this big three or 4,000-seat sanctuary. And, and a group of us heard about this new thing across the country happening called multi-site and um, felt like, man, this might be perfect for Pittsburgh because people don't like to cross bridges and tunnels and rivers and, and all that stuff around here. So we sold the property that we were going to build it on, and we decided instead of calling people to come to us, we decided to go and plant churches there. So we started off in Oakland, and then, you know, from there went over to Sewickley and then East End and the East Liberty area, then Dormont, and then last year, the first time ever, we went out of the county up into to Beaver County, Beaver Valley. So that was all started just by a group of men and women that got together, prayed about it, and said, you know, we're just not going to build bigger. We're, we're going to go um, to where the people are. And it's been amazing for us. So I think Oakland was launched nearly 13 years ago. And, uh, and then that's been sort of our path. And we hope to, we hope to do more in the coming years. When did this start? Did you say it started 14 years ago? When, so I mean, when 38 first... years ago was the first church. And then, when, and then Oakland, our second one, we decided to go multi-site was 14 years ago. Wow. It doesn't seem that yeah. long ago to me. I've been I going to Northway yeah. a long nope. time. I can tell now. Wow, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah. That that doesn't seem that long ago. And, you know, that that took great faith to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big step. Nobody else was doing it in Pittsburgh, and we just decided it felt perfect for us, and and off we went. And so everyone understands there are parts of Pittsburgh where, of course, uh, we have the big student population in Oakland with Pitt and Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. But then you have other areas like Dormont uh, where possibly, you know, you have what you would think of uh, as the middle class Pittsburgh. Right. A little bit more group. blue collar. Yeah. 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 And so so the great thing about this is the ability to bring in everyone, allow everyone to get. So how large is Northway today and how many campuses do you have? Right. So, so six locations. I, um, you know, I, I don't know how you put a number on how many people call Northway home. So, um, you know, cause you don't know how often people come to church, but I, I know that like last Christmas Eve and last Easter, we were over 7,000 in attendance. So I, I don't know if that gives you a number of, you know, we're, you know, typically over 4,000 or 5,000 on a weekend, but I think there's probably 7,000 people around the region that call Northway home is my best number that I can put on it. And if someone's listening right now and they're wondering, oh, which campus is closest to me, they could go to northway.org. It would be on the website. That's it. Yep, and the six locations are listed there, and there's even a little map finder to help you figure out which one might be closest to you or which is easiest to get to. Then you click on that one, and it like gives you some instructions on where to park and what to expect and what you're going to experience and all that stuff. So we try to make it really friendly for people that are looking to find a church, particularly, you know, um, yeah, Christmas Eve. So if you're getting this message and it's Christmas Eve, it's not too late. Go click on there and find a trip, find one of our locations. Look at our service times and and go. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. You can still go. 
Um, You know, I want to say something about the church. Now, of course, it's a Bible-based church. Let me say that first. But it is not a fire and brimstone, everyone's going to hell type church. I say that because... I went to a church like that, that every day when I'd leave, I was petrified if I made one mistake, it was all over for me. I mean, I see Northway, again, Bible-based, but I see Northway reaching out to the whole community. You know, I always say, if you're a church and you only have church people there, you're really not a church. You know, a church should be reaching out to the community. Do you you not agree with that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I always say that the minute that that every that, that if everybody in attendance is a believer, we're doing something wrong. Um, the church has to be for those that are curious about faith, that have walked away from faith, that are still trying to figure out faith, that have no faith. I mean, that's so we speak to that often right away in the beginning of our services. Like if you're new, if you're unsure if you don't believe one thing we always say hey like the offering basket's going to go by we really would ask you that you know feel no obligation to participate that's for those that call northway home we really want folks that are really maybe just coming even from a past hurt church hurt experience or a wound or something from their childhood to to just be a, a place where they can heal where they can be safe where they can not just you know, receive a sermon, but we have lots of other services for people um, to help them with whatever situations or crisis or tragedies that they may be facing in life. And lots of people that would just want to sit and talk to you about it and respect your views on whatever it is your views are spiritually and respect them and share ours with you. And, uh, yeah, I just, any, I don't, I can't imagine anybody would ever come away from a Northway service feeling judged uh, or feeling like they were filled with shame or guilt, um, man, if that's happening, we're doing something wrong. So we do provide very clear message on, on who we believe that Jesus is and, and what Jesus can mean in your life. But, man, we are really, um, we really want folks that, uh, that come with all different backgrounds and all different beliefs and, 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 and come and try us out and come and hear what we believe is the hope of the, the, hope of the world, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I love reading uh books by great Christian writers like C.S. Lewis is my favorite, but also Dietrich Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, many people. But I've got to tell you, a book that had the biggest impact on me was by Philip Yancey. It was The Jesus I Never Knew. (laughs) Yeah, great book. And and that's because, let me just tell you to all my listeners, if you're thinking about this, oh, what were those things called where you would stick the stick the picture up on it? You know those boards that you would get those, the picture. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there I would do. Be a, what were they the, called? I, I can't either. Flannel like, boards, or, yeah, 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 yeah. But whatever. Flannel graphics. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you're thinking of that picture of Jesus, like mild, sort of. Uh, you know, there yeah. he is out there. That's not him, because to me, nope. he was a revolutionary. I mean, anyone, yes. anyone that would have women with him yes. during that time, the where, time. They were, yeah. where, where they were like cattle, you know, they were like no voice. Oh, yeah. Uneducated and, and property. Yeah. And he, 
he, he lifted them up and had them walk with him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the woman that was about to be stoned who was caught in adultery and the way he basically just stepped in between her and, and her accusers. Um, yeah, he, he was a, he was an advocate for, for women in a time that was just, we can't even imagine, um, what, what, what it was like. And like, if that would be today, you know, if we were, he would seem like a rebel. He would seem, you know, a revolutionary. Well, he was a revolutionary. But what I mean is he's not like what a lot of people think. You know, he was powerful. Mm. He was fierce. He was loving. He was kind. But he did things that other people would not do, like the example that, you know, that I just gave to you. And that, that is also, Pastor Scott, Something I love about you and all my listeners will is that I feel you are revolutionary because you are doing things they never did before at Northway. And here's one right now that all of my listeners, especially with disabilities, are going to love hearing about. Let's, whenever you announce what you're doing for people with autism, who, by the way, have an extremely yeah. high unemployment, when you were talking about that, I didn't want you to get angry at me, but I'm not kidding you. I told Mary, I'm going to stand up and clap the other day when Mm. you brought that up. Mm. But could you share with Mm. our listeners what we're going to do? Yeah, I was um, visiting a church out in the central part of Pennsylvania. And so this was not my idea by any means. um, But I saw um, for the first time something in a church called a sensory room that I was not aware of what it was. And it was... uh, a room or a series or a set of rooms that were set up um, for children with developmental needs or children with um, on the autism spectrum, and it was in, uh, children that could not participate in the in the normal kids ministry at the church, and therefore often their parents then would not get to to participate in church together because one of the parents would need to be with the child, or or maybe the child would stay at home, and one of the parents would go, or the child would be out in the lobby. Um, and these sensory rooms were places um, that that child could go to and have a safe, um, comfortable experience, um, have professional um, teachers in there that could share the gospel or the good news of Jesus with them at, a, at an ability level that they could comprehend and, and understand, and then it, it would allow parents to, to go to, to church together. So it broke my heart that, that I, when I saw these, I said, you know, then, that was many years ago, that I believe this is something that Northway has to do. I... I believe the church is behind in this. Um, you know, the public school system, um, a lot of private school systems have done, are doing fantastic work um, for kids on the spectrum. Um, I was out at the Pittsburgh International Airport um, about, well, I guess, two months or so ago, and they've got a, a really beautiful sensory room area. When you think about that, you know, you get a five-hour flight delay, and you're in an airport with a child with developmental needs or on the spectrum, and what do you do with them for five hours in an airport terminal? And then they've got these sensory rooms available for these children to be able to go in there and relax and, and enjoy and play games and calm down. Um, so, yeah, our, our dream is that in Easter that we will launch at one of our campuses, our Sewickley location, a series of four of these sensory rooms with professional um, staff and, and then volunteers that have this uh, background and training. And then we would um, begin to, to, to set it up for our Wexford location and then Dormont, and then we would begin to 
evaluate our other locations as we bring new locations on that these rooms would be just sort of begin to be part of who we are so that parents across the the region that that sometimes have been forgotten by the church or or left behind by the church or not been able to really participate um, can come and you know i had a i had a parent tell me once had a child on the on the spectrum and um, she said that she felt like a burden when she came to church that you know, because her child had these, these needs and, and, and she knew it was hard and she was asking for special help and the church couldn't do it. And I just thought, like, no family should ever feel like a burden um, coming to church. So my dream is that 2020 begins uh, a mark of something that becomes part of who Northway is, that you mentioned that we do American Sign Language and, you know, we begin to, we've begun to look in some other things for people with hearing other hearing um, issues and, uh, and and sight issues. We're trying to um, each season uh, make sure that we're reaching out to the to that community. Those communities are often left out, but we're going to start with this autism world. Um, and I don't know what we're getting into. Like I'm sure that we're going to meet some expectations and not meet some expectations, but we're jumping in. We're calling this phase one. We're going to evaluate after a year and see where we're at and see what more we can do. But uh, it's exciting to me. It's probably one of the most exciting things that has happened to me in ministry in a long, long time. So I just can't wait for the grand opening. Oh, it is so exciting to me. It really is because I know of people that do not go to church for that reason. And I'll even ask them and they'll say, well, they wouldn't like it. And I'll say, who wouldn't like it? The, the church people, they wouldn't like it. You know, as soon as my yeah. child started to make a noise or if they had Tourette's mm-hmm. syndrome and they, you know, shouted something out, um, yeah. we would probably be asked to leave. And I said, really? Because, like, I find it hard to believe Jesus standing at the door would say, uh-uh, uh-uh, you have autism. I know. Can't, can't come. Right. Can't come in today. Yep. This, to me is phenomenal because, and I hope if you're listening to the show and you're in this area, well, if you're listening to the show across the United States, everyone should be welcome, including people with autism or other uh, intellectual disabilities or neurodiverse disabilities. But this is phenomenal because now everyone's welcome. And don't you think that child would like to say, I'm going to church? With my Absolutely. family, yeah, like everyone right. else. Yep. So I mean, yep. uh, and and Pastor Scott, I am so proud of you. I know what you're going to tell me uh, right now. You're going to say it wasn't just me, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm so proud of you. Not to mention how you have had women moving up and giving messages at the church. There you are. Mm-hmm. That's why I said you're being that revolutionary. You're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not certainly not doing something that's opposed to the Bible. I, I, I see women in the Bible, you know, leading and teaching and leading church movements and uh, being uh, prophetic. And so, yeah, I, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit um, are not just. There's none none that are certain ones for men and certain ones for women. I don't see that anywhere. That the gifts are given freely. Uh, to all. So I, I think the church has to be a place where women that have leadership gifts can um, exercise them, women that have 
gifts of uh, teaching and preaching and communication should should be able to exercise them. And, you know, I just want to tell you, first of all, if you're listening to this show and you're thinking, oh, I have a family with autism, I want them to know about that. Remember, Spotify or Apple, you can go to podcasts, put in Disability Matters with Joyce Bender, and you can get the podcast and tell them they can easily go get the on-demand, get this, and listen. So you should. You should share this with other people. Uh, In addition to that, how many times do I hear people say, Churches should have sign language interpreters, and they're right. They should. Churches should do something for people with other disabilities, you know, autism or uh, other hearing issues or blind, whatever it is, and you're right. But you know what? It does take money to do these things. So I'm asking you, if you're listening, you go to northway.org and make a donation because I want to tell you we're supposed to be supporting companies and churches that include us and they are at Northway. You know I'm a woman living with epilepsy and I'm hard of hearing. So this is really a big deal to me. Northway.org. It doesn't matter if it's $5. I don't care what it is. But, you know, I know all of you care about people with disabilities being accommodated. And I know autism is one huge area. Northway.org, this Christmas Eve, Mm. when you're thinking, I want to do something, I want to help someone, there you go. Can't do these things without tithes. Can't do it. Um, Well, I I believe in that so much. I do. Uh, And, you know, I said I love Northway because you help all different groups. You help, uh, you know, the homeless. You help different people with addictions. Could you talk about that? We have counseling services, right? Yes, absolutely. So all of our locations have professional counselors. Some of them share them amongst different locations, but we have professional Christian counseling for everything, you know, all struggles, anything from marital issues to addictive issues to, you know, things that maybe happened in your childhood that you're sort of just discovering and they're, they're causing problems and there's old wounds inside there that you need someone to talk about. So our counseling services are available at all locations. We've one of the things that seems to be really expanding right now is we've created grief ministries. Um, so we call them grief matters and it's just opportunity for people that have had shared similar, um, losses of, of loved ones or tragic events in their lives to come together with a, with a professional to help them sort of process that and allow them to talk and allow them to know that they're, they're not alone. We have recovery ministries for um, folks in all sorts of, of, a, of addictive um, addiction um, behavior or, or past or trying to um, trying to stay clean. So those are available. And then something that we do at all locations, um, typically a couple times a year, is something called Marriage Matters. And it's just for couples, you know, whether their marriage is maybe um, not well um, or maybe their marriage just needs, um, you know, some a boost, um, or maybe their marriage is great and they think it could be better, but it's, it's a nine week marriage matters, 
um, curriculum that you walk through as a, as a group with some counselors and um, some marriage coaches, and they really just help clear better avenues of communication. They help couples that maybe that are not sharing at a more intimate level or a personal level, help them get those feelings out in, in really constructive ways rather than destructive. So, yeah, I mean, that's just sort of the, the, the tip of it. There's We have ministries for folks that are out of work. Um, we have ministries for um, parents or for folks that are looking towards adoption. Um, we have ministries for folks that want to go on the mission field that are considering maybe going and doing mission work. So there's just, I mean, literally, Joyce, if you look on our website, there's like menus. Of, and then we've just got like, you know, your basic sort of church ministries where we have student ministries and kids ministries and small group ministries and couples that get together and uh, mothers of preschoolers and mothers of babies. So, yeah, um, one of the things I love is that with being in six locations, maybe not every campus offers every ministry, but once you're part of Northway, you can bounce around and, and, and pick up the things at certain campuses. There's classes happening all the time by incredible men and gifted men and women speakers. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot here, and I, and I do say this, and I mean it, like, you don't have to believe what we believe, you know? So if you're not a follower or follow a different religion, um, you know, a, lo- a lot of those things are just as applicable to you. Um, um, you can come and, you know, we're going to talk about Jesus, but we're not going to, you know, card you at the door and make sure that you're some, you know, Jesus follower before we let you in. Um, if they're open to everyone. Yes, we are. Speaking of open to everyone, we have 17 countries with listeners from yeah. China to Finland, to Russia, all around the world. So I know that we also do outreach work. Could you talk a little bit about, like, what countries we work in? Yeah, Northway has just over 30 global partners um, in over 20 different countries. And uh, our focus has always been on orphaned, abandoned, and at-risk children. So there are so many great mission efforts out there. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's mission efforts that help build homes in impoverished areas all the world, over the world. There's mission efforts that help build churches or plant churches. Our focus has always been more in that area um, that I just mentioned, that reaching out to orphaned children, so supporting orphanage work, um, abandoned children, helping kids get off of the streets. Uh, we work a lot in other countries in the areas of, um, you know, preventing human trafficking. Um, and uh, and then just even locally, we, we do have a, a massive mentoring program to help children that we think are at risk, children in some urban areas maybe that are living without a two-parent home or living without um, a father figure or living with grandparents, um, really don't have role models, maybe mom and dad are incarcerated or there's just a situation that's prevented them from caring for their children. So um, we have mentoring programs called LAMP, our learning and mentoring partnership. Um, so those have always been our focus. We do some other things, um, but if you look at almost that steady stream throughout all of Northway's mission work, it, it typically weaves back into something um, with children and in those areas. Um, quick question for you. 
Is yeah. there any is there any way say like I'm just using China as an example. If you're yeah. in a country and you're listening, is there any you know what advice do you have for people? I mean, can they find out if we're doing work there or should they just how can they just reach out to a church? Well, of you course. name one country that's very challenging right now. So, China. um China China's very challenging right now for us to do work in. Some of our mission workers have had to leave. Um, one of our families uh, had to had to come home um, because their work was just sort of uh, being met with some hostility and being shut down. So um, it's not pre- it's not prevalent, but it does happen. China is just definitely one of those ones that's very tough. So our our missionaries in China tend to play it pretty low key. Um, probably would not want a whole bunch of people showing up at their door and saying, how can we help you? Um, so, yeah, those ones are a little bit um, more under the radar. We don't, uh, we don't put them on our website. We, don't, uh, we really watch our communication with them, and they're not doing anything aversive to the, to, the, to the government or anything, but they are helping kids in orphanages um, get into foster care situations, and then eventually get adopted. So these are kids that have often just been abandoned, left at the doorstep of an orphanage, and will probably die in that orphanage. And we have some folks over there that rescue them from that orphanage. And then through the through the church in China, um, which is also sort of underground, um, help them get into foster homes. Um, and then through those foster homes, get them healthy, and then have them be able to be adopted. So... Probably the only thing you could do there is if you've got internet access, you know, we've got, we're online there. Our messages are on the internet if they're not blocked. Um, you know, you could give towards Northway. We could make sure if you designate it to China, we could make sure that it gets that way. But it's not, it's, it's, you know, probably about as, is what I said is about as far as I can go in, in China. But we've got, we've got great work in Haiti and Honduras and other countries that are a lot more, um, open and, and a lot more. Uh, we, we do a lot of work in um, India, do some work in Turkey and Russia. Um, so yeah, lots of England, lots of nations represented with, with far array of uh, openness to the gospel and some that are really not so much open. So I've had the, the pleasure um, to go into China, visit with our missionaries there and see their work and worship with folks there, and it's beautiful work, and uh, sometimes I think Americans are getting in the way, to tell you the truth. The, the China church is unbelievable, and the Christians there are incredible. Um, India, I've been to India multiple times and up into um, some other areas around India that are, that are pretty dangerous spots, and man, just it's incredible work that's being done. I have a huge heart for Haiti. I've been to Haiti eight times um, in the last Several years, we should all be praying for Haiti right now. I know it's not on the news, but Haiti uh, is in a very serious situation with the government sort of shutting down a lot of the human services, hospitals, police shutting down. There is a lot of danger. We've had to cancel our last two trips into Haiti. The embassy just sort of has told us that that they have almost forbidden um, uh, travel in there right now. So that's a country. We've got a little girl, my wife and I, that we've virtually adopted or support in Haiti. And she's, um, it's, it's a, it's a challenging place to be right now. So, well, yeah, pray for well, Haiti. Yeah, we can pray for them. Well, yep. the show was so great. 
believe it or not, we've come to the Aww. end of the show. Pastor Scott Stevens, pastor of Northway Christian Community Church this Christmas Eve. If you can get there in Wexford, PA, go and make a donation. We end every show with a quote, and there can only be one quote today from our good friend, Luke 214, who said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice. Have a very Merry Christmas. Talk to you next year, and it will be next year. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.